0: The Chris Sheeran Show, only on yesnetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new edition of The Chris Sheeran Show. Uh, Lou is here. Uh, I'm Chris Sheeran. That's at Lou DiPietro, yes, on the Twitter machine. I am at Chris Sheeran, yes, on Twitter. Uh, before we start talking about sports, uh, we taped this uh, podcast last week, um, right before the events happened in Paris, and there I was screaming about you know, bat flipping and some idiot playing football. It shouldn't be playing football. And immediately you see something like that and perspective smacks you across the face like a cinder block. Yeah. So, um, having said that, just want to send thoughts and prayers, uh, to not only Paris, but to Beirut, uh, Nairobi, where all these atrocities are happening all over the world. It's not just Paris. Uh, there's a lot of places and, uh, i just like it to stop.
1: <laughs> that'd be nice. <laughs> that'd, be, I, I, that'd be tremendous. I'd like to point out also before we get into sports that since we will not be doing a show next week for Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. we will be off. This is technically our one-year anniversary.
0: Is it really? Yeah.
1: we Our first show was November 24th, I believe, of We've last only year. We've been doing this for a year? Yeah. So it feels like longer. I believe it was November 24th. Fourth, I can look it up, double check on my and that's calendar not and like such, a bad. Uh, it
0: feels longer. That's that's yeah. like I just it feels like it's been longer. That's yeah, it was
1: Thanksgiving. It was the week before Thanksgiving last year that like the week of Thanksgiving that we did our first show and we're not doing one this this year. So
0: and I'd like to apologize in advance, too, because I am under the weather. Um,
1: so we'll probably be under the magic hours. Yes. So, you know.
0: I, and I apologize going in. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of things going on in this world, uh, which we just alluded to. Uh, pretty much that supersedes everything else. But having learned a lot in the past week, you know, I, this is also something I've learned. Uh, just to add a little levity and maybe get some people a smile. Don't piss off Andy Vance like
1: <laughs> Jesus. The Andy Van Cannon. He oh did. My
0: good Lord. Uh, let's just start. I, I woke up. And the first thing I do is I, I read the paper in bed, and I'm on the iPad. And the first article I come across is by Joseph Staszewski New York Post Sports. Um, and the, the headline said, Ex-coach annihilates Robinson Cano. Quote, worst third hitter I've ever seen. End quote. So let me just read the quotes, and then Lou and I will go back and forth here. Uh, the first um, – I don't even want to say this was across Robinson Cano's bow. <laughs> this
1: pretty much – This it. was pretty much a point-blank shot, <laughs> yes. like, that, like that Vietnam War photo of the guy shooting the guy at yes. point, point-blank range. Yes, this is center mass. Quote, this
0: is Andy Van Slyke. Robinson Cano cost the GM his job. Zach G- Zydrunik. That one. Is
1: there anybody in Seattle's name you can pronounce? Yeah, And was it? Yeah.
0: Uh, the hitting coach got fired because of Cano, and then the manager and coaches got fired because of Cano, because that's how much impact he has on the organization. He was the worst player, and it cost people their jobs in the process. That's just the first quote. Here's, here's another... From
1: a guy who was the assistant hitting coach for part of last right, year,
0: no less. Right. And here's another... Remember... Um, Robin Hood Men and Tights. When he I challenge you to a duel and he takes his glove off and he hits Carrie always, and then Carrie always takes off the knight's glove and smacks him in the face. Yeah, smacks him in the face. Robin Colcord, uh, the sheriff of Rottingham. Van Slyke went on to say uh, he also placed some blame for the poor season on former closer Fernando Rodney in the bullpen and said Cano plays hard, quote, sometimes before lambasting the lack of production from the Mariners' number three hitter. And this is another quote. Robinson Cano was the single worst third-place everyday player I've ever seen for the first half of a Major League Baseball season. Now, the uh, headline of the article leads, leaves that part out. <laughs> It just says the worst third hitter I've ever seen. And that's,
1: that's high praise considering that like there's been expansion teams in Andy Van Slyke's career. But then Van Slyke goes chuckle hut. I mean, that means Jeff Conine was a better number three hitter than Connell. Yes, he, he goes chuckle
0: hut. He, he crosses the line here. Uh, this is just way out of line. I mean, if you're talking about, see, Lou and I, and I know you'll say this too, you love, you know it's not going to happen all the time, but you got to love when that, true lies moment when somebody gets injected with the sodium pentothal and they actually have to tell the truth. Dana! The bridge is out! <laughs> yeah, no, I never And say what's on their mind. Yeah, well, um, this was the next thing he said. Uh, Van Slyke said of Cano, who hit 251 with six homers before the All-Star break, he couldn't drive home Miss Daisy if he tried. <laughs> he couldn't do it. He couldn't get a hit when it mattered. He played the worst defense I've ever seen at second. I mean, the worst defensive second baseman ever I've seen. I've ever seen in 20
1: years in the big leagues. Did, did, did he look at Rob Refsnyder? Because apparently some people think he's actually that, according to oh my the, God. the Twitterverse. We're talking about a guy who's making $25 million a year for the next eight Listen, years. Listeners. okay. Two thing, two things I want to say about this, and then I'll let you Hit go it. on. Go, 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 go. First of all, the driving this Daisy quote is amazing. But that, beside besides that, that's fantastic. That sounds like something you or I would say yes, in that exactly. situation. Exactly. Number one, I know Robinson Cano dealt with um, you know some illness or, or whatever it is during the season that, that kind of sapped his production. But th- what Andy Van like said, and, and the way he meant it, and the way he experienced it is exactly why, well, part of the reason why I think the Yankees were, you know, here's our, here's our max offer to Cano and take it or go somewhere else, is that you never know how much a player is a product of his environment until he's outside of that in a new environment. Now, you look at some of the guys that got qualifying offers this year, right? The, the Padres gave Ian Kennedy a qualifying offer. Yeah. He didn't take it. The only person surprised by the fact he didn't take it is probably Ian Kennedy, because as we did a series last week about three guys who may, you know, come back to regret doing that. Like, oh, I don't know. I'm sure Stephen Drew and Kendry Morales did a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Stephen Drew's career still hasn't recovered. Kennedy's ERA was four and a half in San Diego, which is a pitcher's park. Yeah. Now I know he was young, and you can't necessarily take what he did as a Yankee in those those couple of years. He, he had a great first three starts when he replaced Messina, when he came up as a rookie and all that. But here's a 30 year old guy who had a Cy Young season, Cy Young caliber season a few years ago in Arizona, hasn't come close to replicating it, and had a four and a half ERA in Yellowstone last year. What's going to happen if Cincinnati signs this guy? He's going to have a seven ERA because, he, he's, because he's a fly ball pitcher? So Robinson Cano was a very, very good player. He's an MVP finalist a few, a few years ago as a Yankee. the the year that him and Jeter finished 2-3. A lot of people figured, okay, he's a 300-plus hitter, he's a gap hitter, he's going to be a 300-plus hitter anywhere else. But how much of his power numbers came from being a left-handed hitter in Yankee Stadium? As you've seen the last two years in Seattle, probably about half of them. Was he the worst number three hitter in history? I mean, again, somebody hit number three in the 1998 Devil Rays, and the, the Tigers, that one year they lost 120 games. But... There you go. You never really know what's going to happen. I mean, you look at a guy like Jason Hayward, who's going to get maybe two hundred million dollars, and you've seen what he's done in Atlanta and St. Louis, and he's still in his, you know, got his prime to go. You never know what's going to look like. That's why long term contracts are bad. Look at what Cano's like already two years in. Yeah, a- and I got to be honest. I mean, I've never,
0: I don't see a lot of Robbie Cano games out in Seattle. I'm going to be completely honest with you. Since he's been out there, I mean, the only time I pay attention to it is when the Yankees are playing the Mariners. So. Right, I can't tell if that you know, whole aura about Cano, about him not playing hard or running out to first or whatever, is still going on out there in Seattle, but Van Slyke brings that up. So yep. it, it didn't die, that's for sure. Uh, but I know I would take Robinson Cano in the three-hole over, I don't know, 80% of the Major League three-hitters.
1: Yeah, was gonna say, who hit, who hit third for the... Uh... I don't know. Name a bad team. Who hit third for the Rockies this year? Okay, Carlos Gonzalez, Tulowitzki for a while. They had they had a pretty good. i they, had, guess, a, they uh, had a pretty good run. I'm
0: going to go out on a limb here and say Cano did something to piss this guy off.
1: Yeah, he, he has. Even to. even bad teams usually have good number three hitters because their best hitters hitting number three. Right. Again, Gonzalez or Tulowitzki or Arenado in Colorado. Justin Upton probably hit third or fourth much of the time in San Diego. Uh-huh. You know the Reds had Votto or, uh, you know, Frazier. I'm sure hitting third most of the year. Harper. Yep. Bryce Harper, so that's that. The second part of this was was where I was going with that is yeah, Cano probably did something to 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 you know make Vance like say that.
0: Maybe tweak him a little bit. And we, he didn't like there it. Were people that he even, lost
1: his job. Right. He's upset. And there were you know the laziness thing. There were people in New York that saw the way Cano ran to first base on a ground ball and this and that, and you don't hustle out plays and. You know, Jonathan Papelbon almost choked out the unanimous NL MVP in the dugout <laughs> a couple months ago for doing something that Robinson Cano did 300 times a year. And yeah. Nobody said a word to him. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. People saw that. People thought what they thought. But this is this is becoming a troubling era when it comes to people outside the box. And, and it magnified today when I was listening. I listened to a lot of MLB network radio on the way into and out of work in the offseason just to keep abreast of what's going on. And uh, they were talking about the MVP voting. Because obviously the MVP voting was a hot topic that was announced last night. Harper and Donaldson are your winners. And uh, they were looking at MVP ballots. MVP ballots. I don't think I said that correctly. And were just basically calling out people for, for doing things, including this one where he – one of them, and I forget who because the two of them together sound the same. And it's like Charlie Brown listening to the teacher when uh-huh. you listen to it. Uh, called, called out a writer who's uh, from Cleveland. Whose last name has the first three letters A S S, like Paul Olsen Mocker. I forget mm-hmm, the guy's exact mm-hmm. name, but, but their exact quote was, "The name certainly fits because he voted Nelson Cruz second in, in the AL MVP voting." <laughs> now, given what Rob, uh, Robinson Cano just got slandered by Andy Van Slyke, there uh-huh. uh, n- maybe Nelson Cruz was the MVP of the Mariners and possibly the league, but he went on to that, and then you know they got on George King of the Post, who we both know for voting Kendrys Morales fourth. When Lorenzo Kane, who had similar numbers to Morales and was a leadoff hitter, two hitter, three hitter, as opposed to a four hitter, finished third in the voting. It's not like the Kansas City Royals were the leper colony of Major League Baseball. And they just continue to do that with multiple guys. Now, I personally enjoy looking at the idiosyncrasies of the ballots. And I love that the BBWAA releases the ballot information when they release the results. So you can see weird things like, yes, Mark Feinsand of the Daily News, who is one of our hot stove contributors this winter gave Dylan Betances a fifth-place vote in the AL Cy Young. And as soon as that came out and people made it public, he was getting hammered on Twitter. And he even tweeted, he's like, hey, I did it and I'd do it again. That's my choice. And as I said to him, that's why they have 32 votes, 32 ballots, because it's you know, with so many places. It's to get perspective from different names. Both of San Diego chapters' uh, voters gave Mark Melanson, the Pirates' closer, fifth-place votes in the NL Cy Young. He led the league with 51 saves probably he, so he definitely won Pittsburgh 51 games and probably won them some more why are we getting upset over people's opinions right so what what is so van Slake's outside the box and, and so take take the voting away from this the is writers, what i saw bro. and and the the media's you know these guys in the take, media take are all take the all over voting the away from the writers how, how about we just maybe try to understand that people have different perspectives on things exactly like andy van Slake has every right to say that if he saw it but somebody – should, can come right back out and say Andy Van Slyke's full of crap. Yes, See, that's our
0: right as Americans. That and that's something that isn't really a right anymore. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> because uh, you get labeled stuff immediately for having an opinion on something. So now, and that's me, a slippery slope we're taking. America. So let me ask you this: a very if, slippery. If slope. you're a
1: team looking for a hitting coach or any kind of coach, did you just pull Andy Van Slyke out of your Rolodex?
0: Hell, hell yeah. Because if something goes wrong, all, the, all your dirty laundry is going to be laying out there in the wind. Right. I thought that immediately after I saw this. This guy's never going to work again. He's never going to work Who's going to hire him? Maybe he doesn't want to work anymore. Maybe, maybe the,
1: he's f- sick and tired of it. Maybe the Dodgers, since that's your next, uh, <laughs> y- your next piece of business here on the <laughs> yeah, it, on the Victim Shaming Hour. This article continues. The story continues. Yeah, Van
0: Slyke uh, spent the majority of his 13 years in the majors with the Cardinals and Pirates. Uh, And he also implied Clayton Kershaw wants Yasiel Puig off the Dodgers. His son, Scott, plays for L.A. And this was the quote on that. When the best player, the highest paid player on the L.A. Dodgers, obviously, Clayton Clayton Kershaw, Kershaw. goes to the GM and is asked, what are the needs of the Los Angeles Dodgers club? This particular highest paid player said, just say it, Andy. I mean, come on. The it's first, not, not hard to research yeah, who that is. Well, it's, it's not Justin Turner. That's him being, like, passive-aggressive, too. Yeah. Uh, I didn't say Clayton
1: Kershaw. Exactly. No, but you said, really did. You said the left-handed pitcher who wears number whatever and, you know, yeah. And, and has been a Cy Young finalist yeah. five years in a row.
0: The first thing you need to do is get rid of Puig. That's all you need to know. So Van Slyke is pretty much, if you want a visual, for his career in the major leagues, is taking one of those planes that refuels fighter jets, carpet bombing every bridge that he's ever built relationship-wise in baseball, and then taking a match and lighting said bridges on fire.
1: And then after they're burned out, he takes them and scoops them up and puts them in his fireplace and burns them again. Yes. Yes. Then, he... The way he said that the way he said that would be like would be like John Filippelli coming to me and being like, "What are the needs of our broadcasting team?" And me saying, "The bald announcer's got to go." <laughs>
0: well, it's obvious.
1: <laughs> like I, I mean, like yeah, I mean, like who, it's I, I'm not I'm obviously not talking about <laughs> I'm not talking about Bob. You're
0: not talking about Donnie Marshall, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah, I,
1: you know, I'm not talking about Nancy You're or uh, Marion. You know, yeah,
0: it's only one bald guy. So I mean, that's like right you here. said, that's
1: a passive aggressive way for him yeah. to to say he said it without saying he's. Anybody who knows anything knows immediately it's Clayton Kershaw. Anybody with Wikipedia could or, you know, access to Google could right. know it's Clayton Kershaw. Right. Just come on say like Clayton Kershaw. If you're going to burn your bridges like that, don't be passive-aggressive about it.
0: Well, maybe, he, maybe after the Cano stuff in this interview, he yeah. said, well, maybe I should tone it down a little bit in his mind. But still, I mean, come on. I, don't get me wrong. I love when somebody's honest. I, I, this is great for... Uh, An article. It's great for TV. Uh, It's great for radio. But, golly. It's terrible
1: for interpersonal relations. Yeah. I mean, you just,
0: I mean, unless you want your career as a coach to be through, unless you've had it up to your ear holes with all the nonsense that's going on wherever you've been and how these, you know, multi million dollar really players are calling the shots and not really respecting the game the way you did, because that's what, that's where that vitriol seems like it's coming from that whole miss Daisy line to me, that, that is an entire lack of respect. Right. Again, it sounds like something you or I would say, right. being Funny, being funny, but not, in a disrespectful right. way, just trying to make our audience laugh. That is just disrespectful to
1: someone who's basically one of the best offensive players in the game it's, right now. And really, it's the 2013 Yankees lineup that could have been the same way. I mean, they couldn't right. drive in runners into scoring position either. Right. So if I said that about them, would I still have a job? No. No. There's, <laughs> be, right. Because there's certain things you can or can't say. Now, Now, could Kevin Long say that? Yes. If he absolutely. doesn't want to work anymore, he got fired because... In part, people think Jacoby Ellsbury didn't hit last year, and McCann and and all these guys, and and the years before that. He could say that, but then he'd never work again. Now, could George King of The Post or Mark Feinstein of The Daily News or Sweeney Murdy or any of the guys who cover the team, could they say that? Sure. You know why? Because they're objective outsiders. Should someone who's in the bubble voice that opinion, whether they think it or not? Never. No. Absolutely not.
0: You got to protect what you work for.
1: You that's what protect the shield means, it's not yeah. what Roger Goodell thinks it means. Protect that's what the means.
0: shield, protect the brand. Uh, that's, that's the modus operandi. I mean, and it's obvious. You know, you don't go out there. And I know I, he got fired by the Mariners, but as Lou just said, if his name was in any, and we're going old school here, Rolodex or someone's cell phone, hey, is, is Vance like it? Nope. <laughs>
1: Anymore. That's okay. Well, the Mariners all, do have a set. The Mariners now have a hitting coach in waiting because they just hired Scott Brocious to be their AAA hitting coach last week. Scott Brocious. Blast from the past. XB Allobrocious. World Series MVP, Scott Brocious. Mm-hmm. Who spent the last eight years as a manager at a Division three college. right? Yeah. Yep. And now is back in the bigs as a, as a hitting coach at AAA, Tacoma. The Rainiers. Good for him. Or as Howard Stern would say, Prince Reindeer, as he said in the movie. Um, so yeah, Andy Vince likes careers over. It. Uh we'll we'll see we'll see on, on you know on on pirate baseball radio on my series in a couple months.
0: Two eighty seven, which was his lowest in his past six seasons, twenty one homers and seventy nine RBI. And he made six a, errors. A
1: good chunk of that was in the second half, as as he said. It right? was. Yep. It was, but you know, Stephen Drew had more homers in the first half than Robinson Cano, which Yankees, is which many people brought up. The Yankees
0: would have signed for that total at the end of
1: the season. Oh yeah, out of their second baseman, Stephen Drew had just a, one guy, a, a third of that anyway. He did. Yeah, he had what eighteen home runs, seventeen yeah. home runs. Yeah. All right. Who knows? It is what it is. Can we can we ask now? Yeah. Look, looking at the awards, we did we did all our votes, uh-huh. and I didn't. I said that I like looking at idiosyncrasies and actual awards voting, and, and five of us voted on the awards. Me and you, uh, Stuck, Matt Stucco, our video producer, A.J. Herman, who's our other content coordinator, Brian DeMena, who's our, our editor at MLB, mm-hmm. all voted on the awards, and we were, I think, five for eight. I, I, forget, wh- I forget who won the Donaldson Trout Showdown in the AL MVP, but we were five or six for eight. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ones we lost, the guy that we picked finished second. You know, it was whatever. But, uh, you know, I, I love looking at those kind of things – and seeing just the thoughts about people, hearing people talk about Bryce Harper in March, I guess, SI did a a feature where they polled anonymously, of course, so you could be passive-aggressive MLB players. And they overwhelmingly voted Bryce Harper as the most overrated player in baseball. And the dude just was the unanimous. <laughs> National League MVP on a team that didn't sniff the playoffs mm-hmm. and had more fist fights than playoff games <laughs> in the dugout. Okay? I find that interesting. Well, Like, how do you like me now? Like, Clayton Kershaw. People are like, oh, who's the best pitcher in the game, this, that. And you wonder, why would a GM go to a guy like Clayton Kershaw? Why would that even happen if it's true that he was a Clayton Kershaw? And Clayton Kershaw may even say that. You realize that Clayton Kershaw finished third in the Cy Young voting, and that's his lowest finish since 2010? meaning he's been the runner-up or the winner four years in a row in between those and finished third in 2010 and this year. Guy's been a Cy Young finalist six years in a row and maybe counting. I didn't bother to look at the 2009 stats it's before good. I brought that point up. It's pretty good. So maybe he's, maybe he's, a, good, uh, maybe he's a good barometer for what's going on in there. Uh,
0: I, was not, right? I was not shocked by uh, Keuchel winning in the AL. Uh, I think I voted for Price. Because from the, time, from the time the Blue Jays got him until they were thrown out of the playoffs. And again, he had his issues in the playoffs. He did pitch six solid innings in that game before he gave up, what, five runs in the seventh yeah. in Kansas City?
1: And then, by, um, by that point, the, the votes were – the real votes were yeah, – yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But – Keiko won because three of us voted him first and Price second versus vice versa. He won by one point. Yeah, yeah. But – Same with uh Same with Granke. And Arrieta. Uh-huh. We had Granky though. Yeah. And who did I? I didn't have Harper. You and voted for Anthony Rizzo. I did. I did. And he finished, what, fourth or fifth? Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like you voted for him. out. And, hey, look.
0: I thought he had a great year. Uh, the Cubs went to the postseason. Uh, they mm-hmm. had a ridiculous uh, run in the postseason until they ran into the Mets, obviously. Yep. Um,
1: Stucco voted for Jake Arietta
0: as the NL MVP. Yeah. And
1: you could have made an argument for And him you know too. what? He, I think he finished sixth. I'm not going to get on Stucco, though. I think he finished six. That's the thing. Like, he has his reasons. That's why it's a panel. Right. And Arietta finished six, so it's not like it's... Right. It's not ludicrous, and that's why he has that opinion. He's
0: he's allowed to have his opinion. Out of
1: 32 voters with five spots each, only five people got more points than he did. So there you go. Now, had he voted for, you know, Justin Upton, people probably would have looked at him a little cross-eyed. But, again, that's that's why there's a panel. I, I can't... You have your rationale. I, have I can't mine.
0: argue with Harper winning the MVP. I mean, if, if, if it was a uh, unanimous vote by all the writers, um, I'm not saying he had a bad season, he had a great season. I I value a player though as to where his team ends up. Right. And
1: uh, that is always my tiebreaker when I do vote when I do votes or master vote it's always my tiebreaker.
0: Didn't Alex win one with the Rangers and they were in dead last? Yeah. And they were terrible. They were terrible, I but mean, he they hit were 40
1: nowhere. home runs and led – he yeah. had like a you know, 1.200 OPS and rid- yeah. just ridiculous video game stats. And then there's always that argument,
0: and it was this was back when Mike and Chris were together, and I was doing that show. And there's the argument, is he the MVP of his team or is he the MVP yeah. of the league? And that's kind of that juxtaposition you always have to look at, but I have no – complaints or qualms about harper walking away I and mean, that's
1: always my thoughts about pitchers winning it too i know kershaw won the award last year in the nl because the dodgers were a 500 team when he wasn't on the mound right and they were 12 games 13 games over 500 mm-hmm. whatever 20 games over 500, and they won 90 and how many games did he win 20 was 21 and 3 yeah. last year yeah so yeah same thing with dallas keichel this year he got he got a lot of down ballot votes for al mvp i think he finished fifth as a matter of fact Guy was fifteen and zero at Minute Maid Park. Yeah, I know Cy Young might not have gone fifteen and zero at Minute Maid Park. I mean, the, it's a the box. Yeah, the guy who the awards named after. Yeah. So yeah. again, there is a reverse play. You know, in time when Dallas Keuchel becomes a free agent in four years or whatever it is, if the Astros don't lock him up long term, there is a guy who went fifteen and zero in Minute Maid Park with the Astros lineup who either. You know, you wonder if a team full of Adam Dunn's would beat a team full of Ichiro's. Might as well just change that to, would the Astros beat a team full of Ichiro's? Because they're pretty much all Adam Dunn. Yeah. And I Three was, true outcome guys. I
0: was going to vote for Girardi for manager. I was going to put him third for AL manager of the year. It was between him and Gibbons. Mm-hmm. And just because, you know, just because of how you know the magical run the Blue Jays you know, had, I threw him in And that.
1: again, like I said, everybody but, has their rationale.
0: But Girardi, in my eyes, as I was figuring that out, I was like, you know, he took another you know, bowl of chicken, you know what, and made it chicken salad.
1: And that's why even on MLB Network before Jack O'Connell announced the award, Brian Kenny and uh Amsinger and Harold Reynolds and, and whoever was else was on the show that day were said the same thing. You know, sometimes expectations lower expectations equal higher chance of winning right, that award per right. se.
0: And the Yankees weren't supposed to because, sniff yeah. anywhere near well, the playoffs.
1: Why did Hinch year? Bannister and Molitor finish one, two, three? Because the Astros were young and upcoming, but nobody expected them to make the playoffs. All right. The Rangers were left for dead on the Rangers day. Were,
0: the Rangers were out of it at the
1: freaking training yeah. deadline. The, the Rangers were out of it at the training they deadline. They were eight back. Yep. Yeah. And, and the Twins, again, they were left for dead, too, and they won 81 games. Oh,
0: you got Cole Hamels. Good luck with all that. And look where the Rangers ended up. Yeah. Oh, so. that's a
1: move for next year. Great. Yeah. And what, what happened? They ended up in the ALDS. There they won the division. There you go. So, you know, it is what it is. The other thing that I found funny A division about
0: that was pretty much controlled by the Astros. All and, year. And, and, and uh, hunted all season by the Angels till the right. end, too.
1: The other thing I find funny is in on MLB Network Radio today, in the discussion about MVPs and whatever, they brought up how many times guys were intentionally walked this year. Like, Harper, Bryce Harper was not intentionally walked this year at all, at all apparently. And where Goldschmidt was intentionally walked like 20 times or whatever. And I was like, that's an interesting thought to look at, how many times teams avoided you. But then I realized that, first of all, you can't necessarily count that because Barry Bonds got what me and my friend Nick like to call unintentional, intentional walks mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. That year he hit 70 home runs. He still hit 70 home runs yeah. and walked, what, 170 times? Yes. But then I'd also like to take a look and say, I maybe not the Mets because you know, their pitchers are pretty good hitters. But find a, find a National League team where their pitchers are pretty crappy hitters like the Marlins or the Rockies. And find out how many times their number eight hitter got intentionally walked in a season because that's the right baseball move. You know, you're up by one, you know, up by one, eighth inning, two outs, runner on third. I'd rather face the pitcher than any actual hitter 99% of the time.
0: Well, in the eighth inning, you're probably going to face a pinch hitter. It's no.
1: possible. But, or if you're, you know, sixth inning down one and Tom Kohler is throwing a gem the Marlins yeah, aren't going to pinch no. hit for him, so I'll I'll, I'll, I'll intentionally walk him. whoever's Absolutely. hitting eighth and pitch yeah. to him. I mean, it's, it's there. There's times where intentional walks are the right baseball move, regardless of who's up.
0: I love the strategy in the National in, League.
1: Yeah, in the year that Bonds broke the home run record, it was a smart move to intentionally walk him with the bases loaded because that way he could only drive in one as right. opposed to four. Right. right.
0: that was the rationale behind managers back then. Yeah, right. because he was doing so much damage, and you couldn't blame him for doing that. I think Buck Showalter did that, didn't he? Not? Did he not? Intentionally walk Barry Bonds? It mean, might not have been Barry Bonds, but I, I, I completely remember him. Walking somebody with the bases yes. loaded so they didn't hit I think a grand he was slam? With the possible.
1: I think he was with the Rangers when he did it. It's a smart move. We did it this year in softball. You know, we were about to get run-ruled. We were down to the last thing. We had runners on second and third with two outs. We, we walked the hitter at the plate because that way if somebody hit a ball in the hole, we at least had a force play somewhere. Didn't work. The guy had to walk off grand slam, but... <laughs> It, it was the right baseball move. It's, you have an open base. It's the right strategy. You, know? you have to it's make right it easier strategy. on
0: yourself. Absolutely. I completely agree with that. You want to do a little football? Let's do a little football. Before we say so long. Let's
1: do a little football. Uh, so, how about those Giants? <laughs> <laughs> we haven't talked about this in a few weeks because last week was mostly venting and the yeah. week before that was all, yeah. all end of your baseball. It was,
0: it was ugly last week. Uh, Katie Sharp. Who is great at what she does? She does all the statistics on the Twitter machine. Um, she sent this out right after the final gun when the Patriots walked off with that one point win on Guskowski's uh, 54 yard field goal.
1: You know what Steven Gostowski's name reminds me of? You ever seen the South Park episode with the planetarium? Where no. the director goes, It's the planetarium. <laughs> every time I hear Steven <laughs> Gostowski's name, that's what I think of because it's such a weird. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Gostowski? Is it Gostkowski? Is who it Gostkowski? Cares? Cares? The
0: guy who kicks for, for New
1: England. That guy. Um, Steven G? But from
0: Foxborough? Let me, let me break this down before I get to Katie's stat. Giants turn the ball over. Got Brady. They sacked him. Fumble. Get the ball back. What happens? Penalty. Eli gets sacked. Punt. That was a point in the game where they could have went in and not really put it out of reach, but put some confidence in themselves like, okay, we've got them. Mm -hmm. You know, we go out there, we hold them a couple more times.
1: Which, to be fair, looked like their mentality the entire first half as soon as Eli hit Beckham on that 87-yard pass. It did.
0: It did. That's fair. Now, then they have the first and goal. They hit Beckham. Art Stapleton, people are still tweeting about the rule. People, it's the rule. The officials. Oh, the non-catching the under- officials. However, got the call wrong at first. Got the call right with the replay. It is patently ridiculous the way the rule is written. All a runner has to do, running back or a receiver that is running into the end zone, is break the plane with the ball. That's it. That's it. But a receiver, when they catch the ball in the end zone, has to, quote unquote, it's in the rules, become a runner. Just repeat that over and over and over to yourself.
1: Become a runner. How do you become a runner when you don't have to run anywhere? If I, had, if I could, could race raise you know a marathon whom? by just standing at the finish line, right. I would. You would do it. Mike, I don't have to become a runner? Mike Pereira, right? who was such a bad referee that now he's not a referee anymore. Yeah.
0: But he's he was the head of the officials and now he's on Fox. Yeah.
1: Mike Carey was at least a good referee.
0: He comes on and that's the description he gives. And I'm just I watched it three or four times and I'm just what
1: what does that even mean? E, both ESPN and NBC's teams on Sunday and Monday nights also talked about that at length because it's it's a rule that needs to be clarified. The
0: owners have to get together and say, "Okay, we have to Fix this. We have to fix the wording. The semantics just don't make any freaking sense. If a receiver catches the ball with both hands and both feet come down, that should
1: warrant a touchdown catch. The minute now it's different if you're in the case of like that Santonio Holmes catch in the Super Bowl against the Cardinals, where he's going. He's got to drag the feet, and you've got to go all the way to the ground. The, the, right. Basically, the Calvin Johnson rule. That is, that is understandable. That one was
0: terrible.
1: Right. But basically, that rule where you have to maintain possession of the ground if you're going to the ground. That's fine. If you're jumping in the air, you catch the ball, and your two feet land, the minute that second foot lands and you have touchdown. possession,
0: touchdown. That's, that's it. it. That's it. That's it. That description right there. Nail on the head. That's what should make you a runner.
1: Right. The minute the minute minute your feet come down, you're a runner. Right. Because you know what? If you're if you make a catch at the five and you're running and you take your left, you're running down the right sideline and you take your left hand and extend the ball out. As long as it's inside the pylon, it's a touchdown. It's a touchdown. You can hit the pylon and lose the ball. It's a touchdown. You can hit the pylon and drop the ball. It's a touchdown. Somebody can strip you. It's a touchdown. Right. It. If this is the third or fourth time in five years you're having to rework this rule, just rewrite the damn thing. You
0: have period. Semantically, this is how it's understood. You have to turn up field and make a, like a move. A football move. A football move. You're in the damn end zone!
1: What move do you have to make? I made a football move. I landed. It's, it's, it's just patently ridiculous. <laughs> the, now, the, the NFL's rules about how things go like that also came into play in the Philly-Miami game. Uh, which I don't know if you watch any of, even though it was on TV here, which is weird. It was That was was weird. Thanks. Thanks to the Jets and bills playing the colorblind matchup of the week on Thursday night. Um, we got that CBS. It's like watching it in 1962. If you're colorblind. Awful. Yeah. Bad joke. Um, but there was a fun, you know, Sam Bradford got sacked, fumbled. Of course he did. And, uh, I forget which defensive player on the Dolphins picked the ball up and was getting ready to run, and then he refumbled, and the Eagles recovered on like the three. It took the officials a good fifteen twenty real time minutes, first and ten, to Eagles. figure out what happened. And eventually, Miami, so they they ruled it as Miami gained possession. The player fumbled. Bradford regained possession. They originally called it fourth down, and and there was a penalty on the play, which complicates things um, because God I forbid don't. they multitask. The NFL needs Uh, to wipe out all of their officials, quite frankly, and just start over, especially after the Baltimore-Jacksonville fiasco, which I I have a fun story
0: about. Uh, Yeah, the guy wasn't set.
1: I have a fun story about that. Um, They officially ruled first that, so then Miami rejected the penalty. Like They were 4th and 34 or whatever, so Miami declined the penalty because it was holding on one of the Eagles' offensive linemen. It would have been 3rd and 20 instead of 4th and 30. They declined the penalty then they say well wait a minute no miami in possession and fumbled so it should be first down eagles so then miami accepted the penalty then they switch everything around then miami challenged that the the guy never had possession oh. to get get back to where it was and it took it took a half an hour before finally they realized that the miami player never had possession of the ball cuz he never made a football move he picked it up took one step and somebody stripped it like he didn't Really ever kind of have possession? Apparently. So he didn't have possession. So it ended up. Being so it ended up down. being fourth down because he never had possession. So Miami took the penalty, like, declined the penalty to make it fourth, fourth down, down, and force the Eagles to punt for oh, the That Lord. took a half an hour.
0: Okay, let's go back to the Giants game for a second. <laughs> so it's first and goal. Which that, way ready to go, Jordan? Yeah, I exactly. First and goal. That play happens. It's according to the rule. And Giant fans who bitch about that, you're lost. You're lost. I mean, the rule has to be changed, but it's the rule. So you move on. Second down. Incomplete. Third down. Incomplete. Actually, no. Third down, Eli slid at the 10. Great play call. Let's roll out, and then if there's nothing there, just slide down at the 10. It's fine. Good. And then they took their last time out, so there's a minute 51 left because it was after the two-minute warning. Yep. Uh, They didn't run the ball once. Everybody had their pennies in a bunch about that, which I kind of sort of agree with. Make them burn all their timeouts.
1: Right. And apparently Eli changed the play call to not run in that first goal. so. So
0: here we go. They kicked the field goal. At that moment, I was going to tweet, I've seen this movie before. It's a horror movie, and it never ends well for this team. But I said, you know what? Don't be Mr. Negativity. Have some positivity. Have some confidence that they're going to stop them.
1: Puts that Ahmad Bradshaw, I fell backwards in the end zone by accident in the Super Bowl thing in yeah. perspective, no?
0: First, first down for the Patriots. Tom Brady. Basically, if you were to picture, let's see, David Ortiz hitting a sky-high pop-up to shortstop at Yankee Stadium. Just put that in your head. And Derek Jeter, since everybody loves Jeets is is settling himself under it. He makes the catch easily. Yankees win the game. Game over. Tom Brady basically threw a can of corn into the middle of the field where all you saw were blue jerseys. So I was laying on the couch with a major headache. So I even sprung up from the couch saying, the game's over. The game's over. The game's over. Instead, Landon Collins... Jumps up, grabs it, catches
1: it, comes down, but
0: he doesn't complete the process of the catch.
1: He Luis Castillo'd it as opposed to Jeans. Oh, God.
0: Okay, so second down, nothing. Third down, nothing. Fourth and 10. Fourth and 10. Another perfect opportunity for the Giants to end the game. Danny Amendola gets 11 yards. Fast forward to the field goal. Game over, drive home safe. Now everybody thinks this is gonna be like a la two thousand seven. Victor Cruz is not coming back. He's having calf surgery.
1: And what a what a what a botch scenario Uh, that whole thing is. Your your starting
0: center, Weston Richburg, he may play against the Redskins. Folks Sounds like he belongs to a country club. Folks, listen to me. This is not two thousand seven. This defense is not miraculously going to turn into the defense of 2007 when you had that NASCAR package with the defensive line sacking quarterbacks at will. This is a Giants team that will come out of this bye down in Landover and get absolutely drilled by the Redskins. They will make Kirk Cousins look like Norm Van Brocklin for crying out loud. They will make him look like Sammy Ball. They will make this guy look like Aaron Rodgers on a good week. This Giants team is not going anywhere. And I'm telling mm-hmm. you right now, as we tape this the week before Thanksgiving, we're less than a week to Thanksgiving. The team that always plays on Thanksgiving is getting their starting quarterback back in the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Everyone's laughing them out of the playoffs. They're not going to make it. They're 2-7. and seven. Chris, you're nuts. Romo's back.
1: There's yeah. a very good chance that every other team in the division will have seven, win, seven losses by the time Thanksgiving week ends. They've got, they've got two left against the Redskins. They've already
0: split with the Giants. They've already <clears throat> split with the Eagles. The Giants and Eagles don't have the superiority No. head-to-head. The Redskins have two left with the Cowboys. <clears throat> but hear me now. All you Giant fans, all you Redskins fans, all you Eagles fans – make in front of the Cowboys, all that stuff you're talking on, all that social media, might come back and bite you on the fanny. Because I'm telling you right now, this Cowboys team is good. Even without Romo, they were in every one of these seven straight losses. Every one of them. And now that they get him back, and I know they've got one Sunday, and then they got a quick turnaround on Thursday – but you could be looking at a 2-7 team. That's a 4-7 team. It's
1: very true. And the Giants are 5-5. Five and five. And then when you go on to that that weekend, the Giants play the Redskins. So if the Redskins – who do the Redskins play this week? Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> I'd have to look that up. Um, but if the Redskins were to lose this week, the Eagles could very well lose to the Bucks. I didn't think they'd lose to the Dolphins at home, and they did. So they could very well lose to the Bucs. Thanksgiving in Detroit is a different animal altogether, even though Detroit isn't good. So say that happens too. The, the Cowboys win on Thanksgiving and the the Redskins beat the Giants. Redskins have the Panthers this week. In, right, so, in Carolina. Okay, so so we'll say that's a loss. So they're four and six. The Cowboys win, because they got Romo back, three and seven. The Eagles somehow blow it and lose the Bucks. They're four and six. The Redskins beat the Giants. The Eagles lose to the Lions on Thanksgiving, and the Cowboys win on Thanksgiving, you've got a 4-7 and seven team, a 5-6 and six team, a 5-6 and six team, and a 4-7 and seven team. Right. Everybody's alive. Everybody. <clears throat> but the Cowboys have to beat the Dolphins. And the Cowboys play the Redskins twice still, so they could leapfrog them too. Cowboys have
0: to beat the Dolphins in Miami on Sunday, and then the quick turnaround <clears throat> is the Falcons. Or, I'm sorry, uh, my mistake. Uh, the quick turnaround is the Panthers. For Dallas? Yeah, at yeah, home. Yeah, they played, yeah. At home. Then they're at Redskins, at Green Bay, Jets, Bills, Redskins. So it's not like their schedule is easy, but at the same time...
1: The good teams on there have flaws. The, and, the Packers haven't won since yeah. Mike Ditka put on the sweater. I, I mean, know. I mean, and
0: you're looking, at, you're looking at a team in the Cowboys that looked like it was clicking on all cylinders
1: yeah. in the first two weeks of the season, offensively and defensively. So, and let me, I know Dez was missing for a good chunk of the beginning part of this losing streak, but Darren McFadden's been a beast. He's on my fantasy team, so he I'm happy he's on been mine. a beast. And Dez is back. You think Tony Romo's... I mean, we all joke, even as Eagles fans, joke about how Romo stinks in the clutch, this, that, the other thing. But how valuable is Tony Romo looked at that team now? Yeah. They're 0-7. Now, Brandon Whedon and Matt Cassel are not exactly... Matt Castle was Matt Flynn before Matt Flynn was Matt Flynn. Yes. Made his career off one good season as a backup in a good system. 11-5, and, and and he missed the playoffs. Yeah, right. and Brandon Whedon was such a high draft pick because he was a quarterback. That, that's legitimately why Brandon Whedon was such a high draft pick. Because he was a starting quarterback at a BCS school. And he was 30. That's it. Yeah. How'd that work out for Chris Wanky? Not good. Yeah, it's not working out well for Brandon Whedon either, so not gonna, buyer beware not the gonna, next time. Not going to work here anymore. <clears throat> Whedon should have stuck with baseball. He should have. He'd be in the Yankee system. He would. Would have been. So yeah. So yeah, he should have stuck to baseball. But. So what's your story about? Right right now, the the wind is blowing away from the Giants' corner in the dumpster fire that is the NFC East. But uh, yeah.
0: So that's my point. The Cowboys are. You know, they win. uh, They beat the Dolphins. They beat the Panthers, uh, which is completely possible. They could end the Panthers' un- unbeaten run. Yep. Um, and if they do that— Nobody thought
1: the Texans would beat the Panthers.
0: No. Listen, if the, the Cowboys beat the Panthers yep.
1: and put a one in the loss column, people are going to start to wake the hell up. I, I want the NFC East to continue to fall into further obscurity because then two teams with 500 or below records will make the playoffs because, let's, let's face it, the AFC South is worse Terrible. than the AFC East. Terrible. 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 Um, what's your story about the my Jags? story about the, So my story about the Jags Ravens is this. So in, in, a, in a suicide pool, mm-hmm. down to the final six mm-hmm. this week. I did see week. you tweet about it. Down to the final six. Uh, Facebook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Down, Facebook, down to the it. final six. Myself and our good friend Frank Murphy, editor extraordinary here gotcha. at Yes Network, had uh, selected the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> uh, one other gentleman had selected the Baltimore Ravens and three had the Bengals. So going into Monday night, there were three of us that were technically eliminated, and all three of us were hoping the Bengals lost, thinking we would split six ways. The Bengals lost. We didn't split six ways. We keep, we're still going. You know, We decided to man up and still keep going. Why not? However, as a goof, one of the guys was like, oh, I had Baltimore. If the refs hadn't messed up, I would have won, you know, and we had a fun discussion about it. But here, here, here you go about that. Just like Even though in joking, he's right. If, if people could actually do their job correctly, he would be whatever the pot is richer. The NFL's not going to punish the team. The NFL's not going to punish him. But it's the 14th time this year that something like this has happened where they, they botched a penalty. Or the, and the third or fourth where the NFL has come out and flat out admitted that, yeah, this was botched. I wish I could have that kind of job performance track record. Yeah. That'd be Great. Can you imagine if a brain surgeon had that, that ability to have that track record? Well, you know what? I've done hundreds of thousands of successful brain surgeries, but I killed a few people, so whatever. I'm good. He'd be Maybe. in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> he would be. Baseball. Be. sport where three out of ten makes you one of the best of all time. Yeah, it's true. He'd be freaking uh,
0: – he'd be Babe Ruth in the Brain Surgeon Hall of Fame if he only lost a couple of patients. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? It's just oh. funny
1: though that we were laughing about it because like the NFL flat out came out and said, Yeah, Jacksonville should have lost. Yeah. yeah. Then I was going to take, yeah. take Jacksonville this week. Yeah. I was going to take Jacksonville this week because the Titans are even worse How- and I didn't, and they won, and now I'm like, oh. How'd you like to be Blake
0: Bortles waking up, oh, oh, we should have another Oh, we should have another win. Okay.
1: No, Thanks. they should they should have yeah. Yeah. They should have lost. They should have lost. Yeah. yeah.
0: The Ravens should have won. The Ravens should have won. Or Harbaugh which, coming out.
1: Which will be great when they tie. When they when they have this when they have matching five and eleven records at the end of the season and the Ravens get a get a higher draft pick because they beat you know, because the Jaguars beat them. Yeah. Then it'll be really funny. Yeah, it'll be hysterical. Uh, before we go It'll just, be like when the Vikings missed their pick. Just one more thing. Uh,
0: I don't know where everybody is out there who listens to this uh, on the fan duel and the DraftKings. But it is illegal in New York now. Um, the Attorney General of New York has made that so. Uh, and yesterday, as I was what seemed blowing my nose and blowing my brains out of my nose because I was
1: blowing my nose so much. Sorry for the visual. Um, it's like that Craig Kilborn thing from The Daily Show with the guy getting his head smashed in for the five questions. Yes, John Oliver. Oh, uh, I was hoping you were going to mention it because I was going to go there if you didn't.
0: Who is... I would be very disappointed if I f- found out he didn't write most of that stuff on his show.
1: For the, before you get into this, for those people who watch or don't watch Bill Maher for reasons of saying, well, he doesn't really talk about politics or this or that, but there are people who at least get the news, whether the mm-hmm. slant on it from him. John Oliver does every week on HBO. He's usually right on the money with all of this stuff, and it's issues people don't talk about a lot. Yeah. And this one happened to be one that he did, but I watched this the other day actually Wednesday while I was home, and it was fantastic.
0: This is probably the funniest thing I've seen, not only about online daily fantasy sports, but pretty much anything in the past couple of months that I've seen. And Oliver and his staff on that show, I'm just jealous, because the writing on that show is ridiculous, and the research they do and how they call people out and it's fantastic.
1: Because there's no political or agenda tint to There isn't. It. It's basically this They're is... They're going it, after everybody. This is what's legitimately happening, and this is why it's stupid. Right, exactly. And that's why I like that show. Uh, there's, no, there's not really a political slant So maybe that's the bar comparison I should have made for those yeah. who just like the political yes, slant of everything. This is the, the, right. the clean this slant. This is
0: like right down the middle. Uh, we're going to call your BS, and we're going to make fun of you and whatever. So he put together a fantasy football daily or a daily fantasy uh, sports gambling commercial together. Seth Rogen is in it. He's got a lot of funny uh, stars, comedians who partake. I can't do it any justice sitting here talking about it. You can YouTube you it. You just have to go on Google. I'm a winner. I won $8. You spent 4000 <laughs> <laughs> That's just the highlight from it. But it breaks down, uh, and real sports did this too, and that's where it,
1: Oliver used some. Hey of Jocks, it. how does it feel to be a nerd's
0: bitch? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was one line. of the best lines ever because there's these guys. The top prizes, what is it, one point eight percent? The top prizes are being won by the same one point eight or one point three percent of the yeah. people in these games, and they have these commercials. That's not a game of skill. It's not a game of skill. And they had their own employees out on the streets of Manhattan saying it's a game Protesting of skill. Eric
1: Schneiderman, yeah. They
0: used their own employees as protesters. John, what did he say? If you're going to be this blatant about it. Yeah. We can't repeat what he said. No, but, but you got to watch the segment. Watch the segment and then watch the commercial I, that they put together. It's genius.
1: I think we talked about, I'm pregnant. Oh, jeez.
0: <laughs> did you see the outtake at the yeah. end? I can't repeat that. So. But, uh,
1: We've talked about this in the past. Because
0: she got Seth Rogen to laugh. Yeah. He couldn't do it anymore. It was tremendous. Which
1: I don't know if you watched The League or not, but Seth Rogen was on again this week. He plays a character called Dirty Randy. No, I, he, I don't watch They're it. just – him and Jason Mantzoukas are awful human beings and they, okay. it's hilarious. Anyway. We, I think we discussed this, and, and you know, my initial thought was, what took everybody so long to realize this is not a game of skill? Yes, there are going to be those people, like the, the guy who has the algorithms that take weather conditions and wind variables and forecasts uh-huh. into account, that will say it's a game of skill, because his skill is figuring out how to maximize things, but it's not. Because you could do the same thing with horse racing, and that's not, ga- that's not a game of skill, it's gambling. Right. So I'm kind of shocked how it took so long, and of course all the leagues are in bed with it, and... Of course know, they he are. He showed – did you – was it – I think it was John Oliver as well that showed the clip parade where all these people were talking about it And then as full disclosure, you know, blah, 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 network is owned by – you know. Yeah. And then he was like HBO is owned by – HBO is owned by Time Warner or whoever who was in this. So he was like technically this is, you know, against company line. Like even he had to mention the disclaimer. I don't know what took so long, but yeah, it's – It's gambling. It's gambling. That's what it is. And don't, don't sit there and but tell you me... But you can play for free, just like you can play party poker for free. But you don't win anything by playing for free. Right, and don't tell me that there aren't
0: players in any league. I don't want to speculate any league, but you can't tell me there's someone in, in his locker putting together his DraftKings or FanDuel team.
1: Oh, I'm sure. That's not gambling? You've seen those commercials where it's like Odell Beckham and Cruz are talking about... Our, our, the receivers. It's two, it's two other... I forget who it is, but it's another team. He's like Odell Beckham. It's like I'm on your team. It's Des Bryant or somebody like that. No, it was it was uh, Victor Cruz. Was Victor Cruz, yeah. It's yeah. like, nah, he's got a better matchup. Yeah, sure. And but you know what? You did say Cruz. Fantasy, sorry. fantasy football itself. I am out of it. Whether it's a suicide pool or Night whether pool it's diet. whether it's fantasy football, you can gamble on that. You can gamble on anything. Back in back in the day, some old coworkers and I gambled on the home run derby. We all threw in a dollar and picked a name out of a hat, and whoever won the home run derby got the eight bucks. I, you can gamble on anything. The spelling bee. Ask Kevin Sullivan about that one. The spelling bee years ago.
0: I put in. I I've done it. Point I, is, yeah, I've you, done DraftKings. I put in twenty five dollars and I said to myself, when that twenty five dollars is gone, I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. But a lot of people can't do that. Right. I can. I, you know what I did? I won three dollars one week in the NFL. I have a co-
1: I have a couple of friends who are like, oh, you know, we are watching football, and I have one friend. He's like, oh, you know, I got this guy in a couple of daily lineups, and I'm like. I think this is the point where you realize you have a gambling problem, yeah, dude. Like and, legit, like because that's, not even being funny about it. If you're doing fan, if you've never watched golf in your life and you're doing daily fantasy golf, you have a gambling yeah, problem. In the in the in the
0: um, in that fake commercial, you know, it was really funny, but at the same time, it's the truth. These guys put all this money in; they'll win 15, 20 bucks and it's that oh my god I won I'm on the right track I'm going to keep winning it's like it's it has nothing it's no different than me going into a bodega and getting a lottery ticket pretty much like if I win on a scratch off if I win 2 dollars I'm going to walk back in and instead of just taking the $2 that I won, I'm going to buy another $2 ticket.
1: Here, how's this for an example? That's gambling. How's this if for an that's example?
0: gambling, how is this not now, gambling? Now,
1: one of, one of those same friends who I was just talking about actually won 75 k in a contest on DraftKings a few months mm-hmm. ago. So people outside the 1% do win, but it's very rare. And he was very happy, and he cashed out It's also – how could you say it's, sk- it's but, not skill? But here, let me give you an argument about how scratch-off lottery tickets are a game of skill. How many times have you gone into a gas station, convenience store, mm-hmm. stop and shop, anything, bought a scratch off just because you had a dollar, you win a yeah. dollar or a free ticket, so you immediately cash it in for the next ticket in line? Uh-huh. Probably several in your uh-huh. life, right? How many times have you won on that next ticket in Zippo. line? Zippo. Zero. You know why? Because the lottery companies know people are going to do that, so they don't never make consecutive winning tickets. Right? Right. So how is it not a game of skill that on my wife and I's first anniversary earlier this year, we did the same thing. We went to the deli. We bought lunch. It came to like just under 9 bucks. So rather than put the dollar in my wallet, I said, yeah, give me a scratch-off. It's our anniversary. We'll Uh have a little fun. We won $25 on that scratch-off ticket. So me knowing that I'm not going to throw it right back away into something else, we we were on our way to the grocery store that night. Hey, stop and shop, sell scratch-offs. We'll cash it in there. Yeah, give me another one of those. You know, give me another $5 scratch off. We want another $25. So hey, now we're up. Me again, knowing that they're not going to have consecutive, on the way home, we stopped at the at the the bodega right <laughs> by our house. Here, let me cash this in, get the twenty. Yeah, give me another one of those. We did this three times until we finally lost. We made like we ended up making like sixty dollars based off it. That's a game of skill, because I know there's not going to be consecutive winners, so I'm not going to buy the same lottery tickets. It's a game of skill. It's not gambling. Boo. <laughs> Am I wrong? Is, I, I am wrong that it's not a game of skill, yes. Is my logic and thinking wrong to lead me to that? No. So I get it, but it doesn't make it right. Just because your argument is logical doesn't make it correct. You're right, yeah. Exactly. That's the point I'm getting. At. Exactly. You couldn't have said it any better than that. And as John Oliver said, if you're going to use your own employees to protest, like, at least be a little less transparent.
0: I did that too, by the way. What's I got a, I had a $20 lottery ticket. I won 30 at one place in Stanford, and then I was like, I had to do the Nets that night. It was a late-night game. So I took it into the place right down the street here, and I got the same ticket, but at a different store. I won another $30. You won again, yeah. That's
1: exactly what we did, the same
0: thing. We yeah, are, I'm, I'm telling we you. We bought the – yeah. So I spent 40 and I won 60 so, so I really was up 20. 20
1: Yeah. Well, you spent 20 you won 30 so you actually won 10 Right, twenty combined. I mean, right. So you actually won ten. Ten on the first, ten on the second. second.
0: Yeah. So I was up twenty. Well, there's
1: people that believe when Powerball gets up to five hundred million, there's this, you make fun of those people. Oh, they only buy tickets when it's five hundred million because thirty isn't enough for them. Well, first of all, eh, okay, I can see it. But then there's those people who think like you have to, you know, you have to buy them in the worst neighborhood possible because you know the rags to riches story. So that's why like the bodegas in Port Chester, there's lines out the door. Or in the yeah. South Bronx yeah. where I could just go to the convenience store right here by work and there's nobody buying lottery tickets because, you know, there's nobody, nobody's going to win in Greenwich.
0: And a hedge fund uh, guy from Greenwich bought a quick pick at that store and won the Powerball. Mm-hmm. So doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Money goes to money. That's
1: why it's not a game of skill. It's Most why it's gambling.
0: Exactly. All right. That's going to wrap it up. I had to bring that up. Speaking I, of which, I yeah. don't know if
1: you it before you wrap it up, I think it was Anquan Bolden actually – tried tried to or is in the process or did file a class action lawsuit against all of those companies basically saying they're using intellectual property without permission. Yeah, he's because right. Because their their basis is they're using players. So, you know, because of the valuation system, I'm sure I'm sure Jalen Strong, the running back tight end wide receiver hybrid from Arizona State who's on the Texans, the game that the Texans won where he had two touchdowns, I'm sure his value wasn't great because he's he stinks. Yeah. Let's be fair, he's yeah. he's not good. But if you happen to pick him, you, you had a good night. If you happen to pick Drew Brees and Marcus Colson against the Giants two weeks ago, you had a pretty good night. Uh-huh. But I'm sure Colson wasn't the most valuable receiver there. So he's right. It's all coming crumbling. It's all going to come crumbling down yes, at some point is. soon enough until it's, unless it's regulated. Either that or sports betting is going to be legalized throughout the country like it is in New Jersey. So one way or the other, it's coming crumbling down at that point.
0: Too bad we couldn't end on a song we could do one way or another. I don't know. I'm going to find you. Yeah. I'm going
1: to get you, get you, get you. Yeah, get there you go. Maybe we can get Piper Parabo to stand up on the bar and sing it like in Coyote Ugly where she becomes a star. You know what I'm talking about? No. Never saw it. Never saw Coyote Ugly? No. Would have never pegged a guy in his mid-30s wouldn't watch a movie where there's a ton of hot chicks working in a bar because it came out like 10 years ago. Never would have pegged yeah, it. Yeah, no. Never would have pegged it. Anyway, point is Coyote Ugly, the bar, New York City. You know it. You've heard of it. Yeah. They made a movie, of sort of based, saw the movie. M- movie sort of based off of it, and Piper Perabo, who's a very attractive young blonde mm-hmm. woman at this point in her career, is a brand new bartender there trying to make it in the music career. She's from like Perth Amboy and moves to the city to make it, and she gets on the bar, and there's a fight going on. and Somebody hits the jukebox, and one way or another, it's Blondie that sings it, by the way. Ah, yes. Comes on, and she gets on the bar, and that's the song – like that's her karaoke song. That's the song she sung. That's her demo. all that She gets up on the bar and sings it and mesmerizes everybody and becomes a star, like in the bar. Not like a star. Gotcha. She ends up writing Can't Fight the Moonlight by Leanne Rhymes, according to the, the story of the movie. That song, Can't Fight the Moonlight by Leanne Rhymes. No, never heard of okay. it. Okay, well, look it up. Not good
0: at the pop culture.
1: So anyway, because you wanted to end on the song, one way or another, I'm going to find you, I'm going to get you, I get you, I get you, I get you. There's just a lot. I'm going to put the microphone down now Lose, in the
0: show before I do more L- crazy stuff. Lou's brain is just like mountains and mountains. Full of useless of Filing cabinets. Uh, So there you go. You've entered the uh, mind of Lou DiPietro and uh, Chris Sheeran as well. And uh, this has been The Chris Sheeran Show. We'll see you next time here on YesNetwork.com and iTunes. Later, everybody.